0: everybody back to top shelf talks hockey stripes edition well we reached the new year it's now 2024 everybody's probably hot and heavy into the season hopefully everybody's out there working a lot of games this is the martin luther king holiday weekend that i'm recording this for a fact here in florida we got several tournaments going on it's a big weekend for hockey i've seen a lot of people's posting on social media across the country that they're working their tournament games this weekend and then we'll probably then travel hockey schedule team start wrapping things up for the season so i can't believe how fast it's gone this season it's good to uh, hear from some people from social media so uh, i haven't been able to record for a few weeks because i had a minor medical thing i had to take care of in early december but i'm back at it now Reffed a couple of games this weekend here in our tournament, uh, U10, U12. They were fun, very competitive games. First games out of the gate for the tournament, so everybody was excited, really played hard, had a good time out there on the ice. Did have a first for me (laughs) called too many men on both teams in one game, which usually doesn't happen. It ends up being one team, you know, bad line change, somebody didn't go or whatever. But, yeah, both teams got too many men, and uh, the first one, Uh, actually I think I counted seven players on the ice they were changing and it just happened that the puck came back and then the player that had gotten off the bench onto the ice played the pucks yeah too many men no big deal nobody argued with it. everybody kind of knew what happened so that was an easy call from my partner and I just wanted to talk a little bit about a couple situations that I saw in social media while I was off, I thought these were really good examples of some things that as officials we kind of have to deal with and make sure we're on top of our game. This one here was posted uh, some time ago, Bantam game. So it was U14, would pull his team to the player's bench whenever the opposing player was injured. A particular official felt that it was using the stoppage for the injury as a free timeout. He states here that he told the coach to stop that. And that the players should stay where they're at in place on the ice during the injury. And if you have a trainer come in or whatever, games, you know, the coach has to come out. Um, they're trained to handle first aid and concussion protocol and all that kind of stuff. So he also said, other than the goalie, this official warned the coach not to do that, or he was going to get called for a delay of game. Uh, some of the comments that were on there kind of all over the board. But essentially, going on 12 years of experience at the U14 where, you know, you don't have a trainer most times, the coach has to come out and assess the player to make sure he's okay, he or she's okay. I kind of give him a lot of latitude. I think personally, the, probably the safest place for the players are at the player bench, especially if the injury is bad. We don't need these young players having to witness the coach have to assess a uh, concussion protocol or anything like that i mean most coaches are efficient when it seems to be just a injury that the player can recover quickly or whatever you know maybe fell down tweak something i don't know but it's not my uh, place as an official to assess any type of injury so i usually just stay away let the coach or the trainer handle it personally and i looked in the rule book and i didn't see anything from usa hockey specific to this i just say hey you know, let the players just go to the players bench. That's probably the safest place for them to be. Now, if you start hearing coaches coaching the players at the player bench, then you probably should intervene and say, hey, coach, you know, I want the players to be over here. That's great. That's the safest play for them, but we can't use this as an opportunity to coach. Uh, They just need to either take a knee or, you know, the players on the ice. No line changes, anything like that. Just go over there, get out of the way. But you do want to make sure that they're not over there coaching up the players while they have an injury from the other side. That's really just not fair play in the game. Most times you could handle that just through a verbal, like, hey coach, that's not right. Don't be, you know, they can come over here, take a knee, stand, whatever they want to do. And then whenever the injury is completed, meaning they've got the person off the ice that was injured, then you go ahead, assess where the face off. A lot of times I'll assess the face off where it's going to be before the player injury you know, is taken care of, I'll usually drop the puck right on that dot, talk to my partner, just confirm if there was anything that he saw that we needed to handle in that situation, and then that way everybody knows, hey, the puck is down there, it's sitting on the ice, and that's where the faceoff's going to be. That usually takes care of any kind of back and forth or whatever. Injury of a player that was from a penalized example, egregious Uh, charging call you've got a call for it but the player that was hit by that that charging call is laying on the ice and needs assistance obviously you want to assess the penalty and i'm assessing the penalty i will go ahead and make sure the player that's going to be assessed the penalty gets to the penalty box my i'm expecting my partner to handle the injury side of it meaning that making sure that either the trainer is out there uh, in an expedient amount of time or the coach has gone out there. And unfortunately, usually when you have a situation like that, the coach when you have to deal with coaches on the ice versus a trainer, that coach is probably going to have a different opinion. Your partner just has to say, hey, we have the call coach. We're going to handle this situation. And as soon as the coach is there assessing the injury of his player, you go over to your partner who's assessing it and make sure you get the right call, whether you're going to call a major penalty with a game misconduct or you're going to call – a minor penalty with a misconduct if it's something to warrant that type of uh, penalty situation. Now, if you have an injury that you're not assessing a penalty on because you didn't see anything, maybe the guy went awkward into the boards, but it looked kind of nasty because there was a player there, probably going to get you know, the what for from the coach with the injured player. And then you just kind of keep your distance and say the coach, there was nothing there we saw to penalize. A lot of, a lot going on usually when you have an injury. But for this particular question, I don't have a problem with the players from the team that doesn't have the uh, injury going to their benches. Even the players for the team that has the injury go to their bench. It's probably the safest place for them to be out of the way. That way, heaven forbid, and I've only had this probably a handful of times of that, where you actually have to get medical staff onto the ice uh, you know, or EMS or or even we've been able to take the player off the ice and then EMS assesses them off the ice when I had a trainer. So I think that's probably the safest place. I know it kind of sucks, but then, you know, you got to kind of work with your partner and keep an eye on them. You know, they're not coaching them up while they're on the ice. In a U10 game, player was in the box for a minor penalty. Of course, it was abbreviated 1, one minute and 30 seconds because of the level. She says your coach intended to sub a player A and player B – once the penalty was ended. So player A is in the in the penalty box. This person says that it appears player B was going to sub player A when the penalty had ended. Now, I'll get to the rink layout here in a second. I don't think they say that here. But when the penalty ended, player B was sent on the ice, obviously from the bench. Player A was standing in the box, the penalty box, when he was sent out. Since I was standing right there, since I was standing right there, I guess the coach observed this official standing there. Coach told player to stay in the box. So player A was still in the box and player E was involved in play. So I called too many men. Is this the right call and how would I explain this to the coach? And it falls under uh, rule 204, player and up substitutions. Now, before I get to the... So the rule here, and in the case book, I want to just re- review here. You have a player A in the penalty box, and player B is on the, the player's bench. If your layout of your ice, in some cases like the NHL, the penalty box and the timekeeper box is on the opposite side of where the player benches are. And then the rink that I have, we have one rink that's laid out like that, and then the other rink... Is has all the player benches, the timekeeper box, the penalty box, all on one side. So when they're all on one side and the coach doesn't want to release the player out you know, in play, a lot of times they'll make that little quick turn because usually the penalty box next to the actual player's bench. They just do that little turn, and then as soon as the person's in the, in the player's bench, they can release the player beat. If they're on the opposite side and the coach doesn't want that player to be in play, They'll usually have to skate across the entire ice to the player's bench. And then that's when you're the back official. If it's a two-man system, you got to keep an eye here because I've had a situation where they've released the player from the penalty box, and he's skating like a madman across the ice. The player releases from the player's bench into play. It plays the puck before that. Pair that it released out of the penalty box is actually both skates are in the player's bench i've had to call it a i'd say two or three four times and i'm i'm usually yelling <laughs> at the coaches to hold them up hold them up hold them up because i really don't want to call that it's kind of a you know they come they just got off a pk now they're going to get another pk because the kid or the kid released early so i try to try to verbalize like hey you know, hold them up, hold them up, whatever I can tell them to keep them from releasing the player, the substituting player. Back to the question it falls under situation 10 of Rule 204, and this is for youth level play. Um, It's a little bit different for adults, but we're going to stick with the youth level play. And I'm going to read this verbatim from the rule book. Uh, Again, situation 10, Rule 204. If a player on the penalty bench remains there after the expiration of the penalty, While the team is entitled to return to full strength, may the team place another skater on the ice as long as the original penalized player remains in the penalty bench. So this is exactly what this official laid out for us uh, to happen to him. Rule reference 204C is the answer no. USA Hockey's response to this is a team may replace a penalized player only after they have left the penalty bench by way of the ice and I'll get to that in a second, and returned to their player's bench. If they elect to remain in the penalty bench, either intent or by error, the team must continue to skate shorthanded until that player returns to the ice for a violation of the rule. A bench minor penalty must be assessed to the offending team, and it doesn't say in here, but it would be too many players on the ice. Let's review a second. A couple of key things. We just talked about where the players and the penalty benches are on the same side of the ice, Sometimes there's a door between the player's bench and the penalty bench. And if there's a door in there, this is saying clearly that, the, that that penalized player must go on the ice. So they do that little quick turn like we always see out of the penalty bench onto the player's bench. They must have their skates touch the ice. They can't go through the little door and all that. When you have the player's penalty benches and the player's benches on opposite sides of the of the ice, then you don't have to worry about it because they have to go on the ice, obviously, to make it to the players' bench. But they cannot opt to leave somebody in the in the penalty box when they want to substitute another player. Clearly, it, if you if that happens, you have to treat that player that's in the penalty bench that's either elected or by error. Now, I'll talk a little bit about error. Substitute a player from the penalty bench; it's it's too many players on the ice, uh, and then you obviously would go over to explain to the coach. Uh, hopefully you remember this. I don't know if I remember the rule number, but Rule 204. And then you can assure him if he has if he's frustrated, which he probably would be because he just got off the PK. Now he's got another one. Now let's talk a little bit about error. Most times at the youth level, everybody, we know we have parents that are in the penalty box, being the penalty box official, especially in tournament time. And, and it's a great job. I love it because I get to see my kid play from – The penalty box, I don't don't have to deal with somebody screaming behind me, uh, obstructed view or whatever. It's a great seat. I mean, and and you get actually get involved in the game. It's it's quite cool. Uh, Coaches like it when they have a good parent in there because they can, like, calm the kids down if it's, you know, something crazy. I always remind them before the game that they are an off-ice official by rule and that their opinion doesn't matter. I've had those parents, and I don't know if it's their kid that I was calling the penalty on or, or not, just come unglued. And I have to end up throwing them out of the penalty box because I can't have them coming unglued and the player coming unglued at the same time. I just remind them most of them are very, very understanding and say, Yep, I understand it. You know, I signed up for this. I get it. If there's a question or whatever after the game, I'll be more hand but you no questions during the game. I put a person on the penalty bench, it's your responsibility to then release them. So with that said, some of the parents, for whatever reason, don't release the player from the penalty bench in an appropriate amount of time. If that happens, stoppage of play, just blow the whistle, stop the play, go over, ask the parent or the penalty box monitor, hey, what happened? I've even had them release them early. There's, I don't know, 15, 10, 15 seconds left up on the board, and I'll next thing I'll know there's a player on the ice. I'm like, wait a minute, and then I'll blow the whistle dead, and I've had it both ways. I walk up to the parent and I say, Hey, did you inadvertently release that player from the penalty box? Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, great. That's fine. You go over the timekeeper, you set the penalty back. You don't set the time clock back, You set the penalty time back to whatever it was when he got released. And then we blow, you know, do a face off, blow the whistle. Blow the whistle, do a face off. But I've also had, and it's only happened to me twice. I've also walked up, you know, skated up there and said, hey, did you release that, whatever, that player early? Nope. He just decided to leave. All righty then. That's that's an automatic, you know, it's unsportsmanlike conduct. You issue it as an unsportsmanlike conduct. Back to there, you do the two-minute penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct, and then if they obviously argue with you or whatever, then you just go up to the misconduct and so on and so forth. But if they release early, it is a two-minute penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. And it's at the lower levels. The parent will just say, hey, man, I I, I, I thought it was over, whatever. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. you know. And then you just kind of reassess it, put the time back on, you know, get the player back in the box, and you just take a face off him. So this is two really good, I thought, social media things out here, some crazy things that might happen. It's happened to me, I know personally, and how I've handled it. And I just wanted to kind of do a quick podcast here to – good advice that um, a lot of the comments on here were really good advice on how to handle those situations appreciate everybody's support for the podcast channel now that i'm uh, back to healthy i can actually talk now my voice is normal i'm going to start pushing out some more podcasts here Uh, my goal is to get a new podcast out every week and just give you guys you know questions things that i see on social media i've got one coming up on equipment And I think this is a good one. I I did one before on equipment, kind of got a lot of buzz. So I'm going to talk about equipment. And I usually buy my equipment off-season because usually somebody's running a special or something. But I want to talk a little bit about equipment when it comes to first-year officials versus officials that have been doing it three, four, five years at higher level. Because there is a different opinion on equipment and how to treat that equipment. And stuff like that. So that's another one coming up. And then I've got a couple other ones on some timekeeping stuff. I've had some interesting experiences lately with some timekeepers. So I wanted to kind of uh, go over that and some stuff that uh, practices that I do uh, in order to make sure that your score sheets are accurate and that you stand upon them and you understand what's on the score sheet. Because I've had um, supervisors, especially if I'm doing a tournament and I might be from out of town, I've actually had supervisors that have reached out to me and said, hey, this is what I saw on the timesheet. Can you elaborate? And uh, especially if there was some egregious foul or you had to do a game misconduct maybe for poor, four penalties four penalties, or you had a coach that had uh, things like that, those are definitely situations we're going to talk about. So, again, thank you, everybody, for your support. And if you have any questions or want me uh, to talk about a topic, please feel free to reach out to me via email at at yahoo.com or you can reach me on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook and on uh, Instagram. Again, everybody have a great week and we'll see you soon.